But after all, she was going to a new job. It wasn't exactly an interview because she'd already been told that there was a place for her and that she could bring a child if she wanted. But still, it was beginning again, meeting a new employer. A man stood holding a clipboard that he glanced at as each person stepped from the bus and gave their names. He ticked them off one by one. Irene waited to the last, or so she thought. The man looked her up and down. Name? Irene Sandal. She held out a gloved hand. He studied it in silence before extending his own. Jock Pawson. The kid? Jesse. Same name, Sandal? Of course. She hesitated, not thinking she would have to explain. I'm a widow. Jessie goes to school. I understand. I have to keep a record. So you want to work in the tobacco fields, Mrs Sandal? He had faded ginger hair and a frayed beard that he tugged with his free hand as he studied her. His fingers were tobacco-stained. They said there was a place for me. I've got a letter. They said I could have a house. Oh, I don't panic. If you've got a letter and nobody's saying you can't have it, I'm just wondering if you can manage outdoor work. Baking tobacco's hard work. I'm willing to work hard. I dare say you are. They all say that. Fourteen hours a day. Did you do farm work in the war? But she wasn't going to tell him what she did in the war. She didn't care for this ruddy-faced man with his stomach beginning to billow over his trousers, the crumbs in his beard. He made her think of plantation overseers in books she'd read. It was hard to tell his age. She guessed... Mid-forties, at least. She noted, though, that he had powerful-looking arms beneath his checked shirt, and something about the set nature of his expression suggested that he liked to get his own way. There seemed little point in telling him that she had worked in a city library throughout the war, a job she'd loved more than she could ever explain. That shelving musty books and choosing ones to take home had offered her a world of endless possibility— or that she had dawdled over morning tea so that she could read an extra chapter before resuming her duties, and that her fellow workers had often said, Quit dreaming, Irene, there's customers waiting at the desk. Not that she hadn't done her fair share of work, and because she knew so much about the books, she'd been the one whom the customers liked talking to anyway. Irene didn't think all of these things at once, but she had thought about them, and other matters, often enough to know that her life history was her own, and none of this was what she wanted Jock Pawson to learn. Besides, the war was beginning to seem a long time ago. The world around them was changing already. She was aware of him staring at her. Something in her recoiled. Jessie was tugging at her skirt, and the child's white, frightened face tore at her heart. The whole awkward moment was broken when Jock's attention turned to a movement behind her. It was the stealthy action of someone trying to slide past without being noticed. Jock's hand shot out. And who are you? Where do you think you're going? He was holding the arm of a man Irene had seen boarding the bus in Nelson. He must have gone right to the back. The man wore a battered leather jacket, worn into soft folds, with unusual buttons. He was thin as a whip, his eyes the colour of strong black tea, his skin swarthy. Irene detected threads of grey in his soft, unruly hair. I heard there was work here. What's your name? Butcher. Bert Butcher. I've worked in the mines over the West Coast. 
I'm just after a change. Irene thought she heard the trace of an accent. I could be useful around the place. I did some electrics in the mine. He tamped down a slim pipe as he spoke, preparing to light up. Where did you come from? I'm a Maori fella, sir. You look like a Jew boy to me. Not me, no, sir. Irene said, Is there anywhere I can get food for my daughter? There was a grocer's shop where she could buy provisions, Jock told her. Everyone else had headed that way already, so she'd better be quick. The bus would be leaving for the fields any time now. She needed to stock up. He gave a curt nod in the direction of the man who called himself Bert Butcher. Go on then, he said. You'll have to bunk down in the single men's quarters. That's if you can find a bed. Irene saw how Jock's eyes followed the man.